Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Lord, let's just keep praying. Father, thank you for your anointing this morning. Thank you for your beautiful words. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Pray that we would all have soft hearts this morning so that we will grow and be beautiful in your sight and holy. We love you, God. Thank you for your anointing on me as we minister, Lord God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Please be seated. Aren't we blessed? Such a beautiful church. Beautiful friends. So following on from Easter, I read a little bit about what happened around the resurrection and I was just thinking about some of those moments. And in Mark chapter 16, let's go there. So this is after the resurrection... And Mary Magdalene runs up to the tomb to see what's going on. So we'll just read from verse 9. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they didn't believe. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked into the country. And they went and told it to the rest of them, but they didn't believe either. (laughs) So here's their big opportunity to believe. He actually had told them that he would rise from the dead. He had said, the son of man is going to be betrayed and they'll kill him and in three days he will rise from the dead. So now is their opportunity Now something amazing has happened and they've heard from Mary and from two of the disciples and they just go, no, we we, we don't believe you. Was it because she was a woman? Was it because she had seven demons and she'd had a few issues? Let's face it. And they think, nah, didn't believe them. And then um, later, Jesus appeared in a room with the disciples and spoke to them and Thomas wasn't with them. And so then the the disciples believed when they saw. But they went and told Thomas and he refused to believe. And he went on to say in John 20, 24, unless I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into that print of the nails and my hands into the side where he was stabbed, I will not believe. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. And we see what Jesus said to them in John 20, 24. He said this to Thomas, reach your finger and put and look at my hands. Reach your hand, put it in my side. He said, do not be unbelieving, but believe. The NIV says, stop doubting and believe. The Amplified says, stop unbelief and believe. Thomas said, my Lord, my God. And Jesus said, Thomas, you have believed because you've seen me, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. 
which is us. We've never seen Jesus in the flesh, but we believe. So my first point is this. Unbelief, doubt, is actually a sin. And we know that because Jesus rebuked them. Later and earlier, you know, in around all this time, he appeared to the disciples in Mark 16, 14, it says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So there was no excuses from Jesus. He didn't go, I know, it's pretty amazing. I know it's hard to believe, but ta-da, I'm alive. It happened. He didn't say, look, I know Mary, she had demons like... And Thomas, he's always been a bit of a doubter. But I get that, you, you know, it was like, no, no, no. He said, he rebuked them. He said, your hearts are hard. You should have believed. And, you know, this is not the first time that we see Jesus rebuking unbelief. He really hates it. Just as anyone would, just as I would, if I said to one of my children, hey, I'm going to give you a birthday party. I don't believe you. Well, <laughs> what do you mean you don't believe me? I don't believe you. I would be so shocked. Now, if I was a regular liar or if I was a horrible person, they may have reason to be sceptical of me, but I am actually quite a nice person and I'm not a regular liar. So when I tell my children something, they believe me. So how bad is it when God says something to us or does something amazing and we just go, no, I don't believe? It's See, this is why he calls it hardness of heart, because it's not just saying, it's not just about you. It's not just saying, well, I find it hard. You're actually telling God that he is, what, unreliable, incapable of letting us know the truth, uh, or, or just has a bad character. Like, what are you saying about God when you refuse to believe him? You're making a very, very bad comment about his character when you don't believe God, when you don't believe the Word of God. Do you think God is incapable of writing a book? I've written a book, written this James series. It's not, not, not that great, but it's not bad. Am I incapable of writing a book? Am I incapable of getting it to the publisher and making sure and then fact-checking it and making sure that... Imagine if they just chucked something in there and that said, oh, ding, 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 by the way, this bit's a lie. Like, I'm just going to throw in this naughty bit. I'd say, excuse me, can you just... Like, that? I didn't write that. That would be... You know, I would deal with that if they had edited it badly. Do you think God is less capable than us? Do you think he puts something in his word and goes, oh, really, sorry, I got that bit wrong. That was wrong. Don't believe that bit of the word. You can read all this, but not that bit. If we can't believe it all, we can believe none of it. Forget it. Either God is capable of writing and publishing a book or he is not. If he is, believe it all. If he's not, forget the whole lot. Let's all go out, eat, drink and be merry because tomorrow we die. (laughs) That's what the Bible says. It's either true or it's not, guys. We're all in or we're all out. And for me... I'm all in. Unbelief is a sin. We see it over and over again. I'll just give you a few examples of Jesus rebuking unbelief. John 12, 37, despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who's believed our message? To whom has the Lord's arm been revealed? They didn't believe him. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. He called them blind guides and blind fools because he would do a miracle right in front of them and they would still want to kill him. 
there's just no excuse for unbelief. There's no excuse for not believing in God. The Bible's very clear about that. Proverbs 14.1, the fool says in his heart, there's no God. They are corrupt. If you don't believe in God, you're a fool. It's corruptness. Because, I'll tell you why, the Bible also says that the evidence of God is incredibly clear. The whole of creation shouts about a creator. Do you believe, look back at that painting down there, there's a lovely big painting by a fabulous artist. Do you believe that there is an artist who painted that painting? When you see that painting, you think there's a painting and you know that there's an artist. It's, it's so obvious. But imagine if you said, oh, I see the painting. Someone painted it. No, I don't believe that. What? Why not? Well, I just think it just, the paint just, you know, flew together over millions of years and there it was. It's like, what? That, that's so dumb. It's so unreasonable. And we look at creation so amazing and people go, I don't believe in God. It's like, how can you not? And God says you are without excuse if you don't believe in God. Like God, you can, you can be as clever as you want to be and go, oh, well, we have all these reasons. It's like, whatever. You're going to stand before God and he's going to go, the evidence that I existed was absolutely clear. You didn't want to believe in me. You didn't want to. And that's why he calls them a fool. Let's just be quite clear about here. The meaning here is not that they're unintelligent. As a matter of fact, a lot of atheists are very intelligent people, very smart. But the meaning here is that they're rebellious. It's a kind of fool that is rebellious against God and thus ultimately a fool. So Jackie Hill Perry. Now there's a name. Take a hold of that name. I love this girl. She's sort of risen up in the Christian world lately. She wrote a book called Gay Girl, Good God, the story of who I was and who God has always been. She has an amazing testimony, an abused child, gay, and now a very powerful author, preacher, mother and wife. She's changed her lifestyle, obviously. But she speaks a lot about unbelief and she, say, she, she says this, how many of our sins began with the belief that God didn't truly love us? How many of our sins? She had a terrible childhood and she was abandoned by a father. And she says, the root of so much sin is unbelief. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't believe he could fix me. I didn't believe he wanted me to change. I didn't think he loved me. This is such a wicked lie. Unbelief doesn't see God as the ultimate good. So it doesn't agree that sin is the ultimate evil. Sin can be good. My thoughts, my affections, my rights are worthy of obedience more than what God said. She's really smart and she's just great if you, you listen to what she says. I, I really like her. I like a lot, a lot of what she says. And she's so cool because she's got this really cool style and she's just awesome. Look at her, Jackie Hill Perry, great book. So, yeah, she has a real sense that a lot of where she went wrong in her early life was from unbelief. It was refusing to believe in God because she, she went to the local gospel church, you know, but she was like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe that God wants the best for me. I know what I want and it's not what God says, so no. So just think about unbelief a little bit. As, a, as an actual entity, it comes from places. It can come from fear. It, it may just seem like, uh, no, I, I can't believe in God. It's, too, it's just too good. I, I don't believe it. It can come from self-indulgence or self-pity. 
It's too hard for me. It's too hard for me to believe. I can't believe. And I'm not just talking about believing in God. I'm talking about everything. Everything in the Bible, believing in healing or prosperity or whatever it is that God wants you to be or freedom. Some people are like, no, it's too hard for me to believe. But that's unbelief. It's not too hard to believe. You choose not to believe. It can come from pride. Some people think they're way too sophisticated to believe all of God's word. Many people would rather believe the fallible word of man than the infallible word of God. It can also, unbelief can come from familiarity, laziness. Some people have heard the Bible and the word of God so often that they are lulled into nothingness. They don't believe it. If you grew up in church, you need to be careful of this. You're just lulled into, you're hardened by familiarity. That is very dangerous. It's like, yeah, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. Oh, yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I do all that. But do you believe it? Are you excited by it and so you act on it? Spurgeon speaks of the danger of this kind of hardness. He says, you know it so well, the word of God, and you love it so little. That's another kind of unbelief. So God warns about this kind of unbelief with the, um, with the original Israelites. And he says this in Hebrews 3, 14. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, tried me and saw my works for 40 years. But I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray. Brethren, beware lest there be any of you with an evil heart, get that, an evil heart of unbelief in turning away from the living God. But encourage one another daily while it is called today, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So God is saying, don't harden your hearts as the Israelites did. And notice that he says that that kind of heart is evil. It turns away from God. And he was angry with them. And, in, and then in 19, he says, they could not enter in because of unbelief. They missed out. They missed out. This whole generation of children, they, the, well, they weren't children, but the children of Israel, they, they literally saw the Red Sea part before them. Amazing, amazing. It actually happened. I was reading all the history of it. It's quite interesting, actually, some of the some of the historians, there's some people who just love Bible history and history and they're, trying, they're all matching up Egyptian history with the biblical history, which is not always easy to do because they use different names and things. And there's one guy who says, this, this pharaoh is most likely the pharaoh that did that because he disappeared suddenly. Because the pharaoh, got, he, he, got, he got killed under the water too, along with the entire army of the Egyptians. They followed him up. The Israelites walked through the Red Sea. They follow afterwards. They got buried. Because of their hardness of heart and their nastiness, they'd killed all the Israelite children, babies, for one stage. So this pharaoh just disappeared. And then after that, in, in Egyptian history, it talks about another army that came in. It says they were unopposed. They came into Egypt unopposed. And this guy says, why were they unopposed? Why didn't the Egyptian army fight them? Because they were all dead. They'd just been buried under the sea. So, you know, it's fun to do all this kind of history. I like that stuff. But... Um, they missed out. They didn't enter because of their unbelief. There was the promised land, the land of blessing. They never entered. 
Why not? Because they didn't believe God. They kept arguing against Him and saying, you didn't provide for us, you don't do this, you don't. They, they were angry with God and so He got angry with them. He does get angry and He refused for them to enter the promised land. What a shame. Let's that not be us. Hebrews, this is the New Testament. He's warning us, don't be like that. There's a promised land for us to enter into. There is a land for us. There's a place of blessing. Not all easy, but it's a blessing of God. And you know when you're in it because everything, it just, things are just blessed. They just work out. Life is challenging, but blessed. You feel it. You know it. You sense that blessing. That's the promised land, the land of promises where we believe and receive the promises of God. But there are Christians and he says this, don't miss out. Don't be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin lies to you out there. It, it lies. It says, this is great. And it is great for five minutes. Sin's great, obviously. Otherwise, why would anyone do it? It has an, a certain pleasure. But like I said, for five minutes and has a very nasty kickback that you get to experience as well. So it's a lie. Whereas following God is pleasure forevermore with no kickback just more blessing. So we are not to be deceived. We are to know that we will not allow this unbelief to enter into our heart. Again, Jesus warned, he warned the, the, the disciples. They left behind their bread. They're going on a boat trip, they leave behind their bread, right? And Jesus says, beware, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they're like saying, what does he mean? And he said, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourself the fact that we have no, no bread? Do you not perceive, do you not remember the five loaves of the 5,000? 5, so he's warning them to not have the yeast of the Pharisees, which was unbelief and a hard heart. Because they're going, oh no, oh no, what are we going to do? We haven't got enough bread. And he's like, guys, I literally produced enough bread for 5,000 people like a couple of weeks ago. What? And you're worried? That's unbelief. Guys, I've been paying your mortgage for your whole life and you're worried when interest rates go up? Guys, I've been looking after you your whole life and you're worried now because you're getting a bit older and you're not as healthy as you were or something? I'll, I'll look after you. Guys, what, why are you worried about this? Why are you talking amongst yourselves? He says, be careful of that yeast. We've, been, we've got a pizza oven for Chris's 60th from the children. <laughs> and so I'm... I haven't really got into pizza dough. I don't know if anyone, has anyone do pizza dough like from scratch? I've never really, I just buy the cheap ones from Coles. But no, not anymore. We are the pizza people. So, you know, we had to get the, we've got the flour and the thing. And I, I've never really done this. And the yeast, the yeast. So you put it in, first put in warm water and it's fascinating. I'm like, oh, look, it starts to bubble. It's, oh, I can, it's, grow, it's alive. It's growing. It's amazing. And then you put the yeast into the flour, and then you've got this nice little lump of flour, and then it grows. Yeast is amazing. It affects, it's alive, and it affects the whole lump. But Jesus says, beware if that yeast is sin. So a little bit of yeast gets in your heart, a little bit of unbelief, a little bit of hanging out with people who say things, oh, maybe, you know, I don't know, I don't believe that. And it can grow in you. Unbelief can grow. So Jesus warned them, don't worry. So unbelief is a sin. So what do we need to do? 
We need to stop unbelief and believe. We need to fight the good fight of faith. Mark 9.23, let's read this. This is a, a man whose son was very ill and he was struggling and Jesus said to him, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Isn't that great? I believe, help my unbelief. We all have areas of unbelief. We all have areas that we struggle with. When we were trying to move into this building, we bought the building and it was seven years, seven years before we could move in because of the council mainly and the RMS and Osgrid. I remember I was like traumatised. Oh, I mean, yeah, the devil, but he was working through certain situations. I literally used to have nightmares about Ausgrid. I'd just be dry. I never even, I never even knew they existed. Like, Oz, I don't even know what it was. And then it was suddenly this huge part of my life, Ausgrid, because the RMS said we had to build a median strip. I don't know if any of you have built median strips lately, but they're not cheap. And did we have to move a light pole as well? That was Osgrid. Oh, yeah, Osgrid just said, we just, you're going to have to move the power pole to, move, to come in here. So why do we have to move a power pole? Well, it's in the wrong spot and you're going to have to move it. We're like, have any of you, ex- do you know how much it costs to move a power pole? It's a lot of money. And we were just like, wait, what? We were up for millions of dollars before we'd even stepped foot in the place. And we didn't think it was of any, there's no reason. It was like, well, I don't think so. And so we'd cost it out and then go, well... Okay, we don't have that kind of money, so we'd pray and wait and a year would go by and then we'd look and it'd be double. The prices have gone up and we're like, we're not... Uh, and I just, I was not great. I was, I'm not, I was not strong on this kind of thing. And Gosford Council had, I, asked, I, was, I was trying not to notice it, but Chris has told me recently, but there was 30 requirements which we had to fulfil. Sound issues, disabled issues, which is good, but it's, you know, little things like... When we painted the door of the disabled toilet, they said, you have to repaint it. We're like, why is that? The, the colour's not right. It's not, there's not enough contrast between the colour of the door and the colour of the wall. We're like, okay. So, you know, it just was fairly endless negotiations. And I just really felt unbelief. I just had this thing, this real fear. We were never going to make it in. It's just not a, I'm not super strong on faith for this <laughs> and I I remember I just remember thinking I, I just don't think we're going to do it and I remember I had this scenario in my head that there's another church big rich church and they're just going to buy the place and do it all up and we'll just have to drive past and look at our building with another church in there or else a medical center I thought some rich doctors they'll buy it and then we'll just be theirs and we'll just and then we'll just keep staying in the local school and I just I just found it so hard to have faith and I just, I just mostly didn't want to talk about it for those seven years. You know, Chris would go, oh, we're doing this, this is happening. I don't want to talk about it. So I just felt bad. And, you know, some of you, these guys are amazing. Shout out to my husband who just battled away. And Dale Crowther was amazing. Craig, you helped us with building and stuff. And Byron was the faith man. Like, he was amazing. He was just going, yeah, I don't think we're going to have to move that median strip. I'm like, 
Where do you get this from, Byron? You, you say that, like, where do you get that from? Yeah, yeah I don't think we're going to do it. I don't think we're going to move. I don't think we're going to move the power pole. I'm like, okay, whatever. So Byron has spoken. Um, but anyway, <laughs> he was right. We never moved the meeting. We never built the meeting street. We never moved the pole because one day, Dale, the Osgrid guy in Gosford, no, was it the Osgrid guy? The council. So confusing. The RM. I'm terrible at this story because I didn't know I was. I don't know why I'm sharing the story, but I, I'm just, I'm getting to my unbelief. Okay, Chris will tell you the full story another day. It's quite a good test to me. But da I do know that Dale, the normal guy he contacted with RMS was, uh, in Gosford was sick, so he got onto the Newcastle people. And they just said, I don't know why you have to do that. Yeah, no, you don't need to move that, build the media institute. He was like, Really? Could you put that in writing, please? <laughs> and when the sick guy came back, who'd been difficult, it was a done deal. So God was good. Yes. Meanwhile, I'm just in my corner not thinking about that. I, I, I was praying for people to get healed. I was doing other things. I was just... <laughs> anyway, that's, we do need a team. Don't we need a team? But one time I was praying about it and I was, I was trying and the Lord said to me, Ruth, ye of little faith. I definitely heard those words from the Lord. I was like, whoa. Oh. And you know what? It feels great when God rebukes you. I like a rebuke from God because it's like, oh, he's so loving. You go, oh, oh, I'm, I know. And he was like, come on. And so, you know what I had to do? I had to stop unbelieving and start believing. And I'm telling you this story because we can actually do it. Because Jesus said, he, remember he said, don't, he said this, stop unbelieving and believe. He just said it in John 20. Do not be unbelieving. Stop. Stop unbelieving and start believing. So you sort of think, because you think, I can't do that. I don't believe. But he says, no, no, no. Stop it. Because ultimately belief is a decision in your will, in, in your heart. You can stop it. And I know that because I did that. I went, right. I believe. I believe that we're going to get into this building and God's going to provide all our needs. He's going to give us the money. It's all going to work out. And I just remember saying, I believe. And then the devil would straight away say, yeah, but you don't believe. He says, no, 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 I choose to believe. And I got some scriptures and I went, I believe. And every time that thing, but you don't, you, you've got no, you don't believe that. And I go, yes, I do. And, I, and then I went, after a little bit, I went, I do. I do. I do. I decided to believe. And my heart, because I wanted to be right with God, I knew that God could do anything. What am I thinking? God can part the Red Sea, he can get us into this building, which he did. And so I went, it's like, oh, of course. suddenly it seemed easy to believe. Once I decided to believe, I went, well, of course he can. It's not hard for God. So once you change, you realise God is good, he loves me, he loves us as a church. I decided to believe. I repented of unbelief. I got faith. And here we are. So... We need to fight for faith in every area of our life. If you have unbelief in your life, I want you to decide now, I'm going to start to believe. And so I'm going to go through some things and I want you to say, yes, yes, I do. I believe. Do you believe that God loves you and sent his son, Jesus, to die for you so that you can go to heaven? 
Just, yeah, in your heart. I just, you don't have to say it out. You can say it out loud if you want. But I want you to decide right now, that quickly, to repent if you don't believe that and say, I'm going to stop this unbelief because I want to enter the promised land. I want the blessing of God. So I do believe that. Do you believe that God is good and it will all work out for good in the end when we stay with him? Yes, I do believe that. Do you believe that God will provide all our needs according to his riches in glory? Yes. Nod your head. Yep, I believe that. He's going to provide. So we can tithe. <laughs> so it's like, if you really believe it, let's see it with your actions, hey? Belief has, faith has works. And that's why so many of us are tithing, because we believe it. And we've seen him bless us. Do you believe that God is all-powerful? He's the God of miracles? Do you believe he can heal you? Do you believe in spiritual gifts? Do you believe you could speak in tongues? Do you believe that? Yes, I do. Come on. You can all operate spiritual gifts. God wants to do amazing things through us. I was a good Anglican girl when I was young. Got saved at 10 and then I went to the local Anglican church. And I can assure you we did not do weird stuff like these happy clappies. We didn't do that. So I'm getting a text message from Les Palmer. Like, seriously, Les, just listen to the message. Like, <laughs> bless him. He's like, this is a good point. I'm like, okay, okay. But anyway, um, most of my family and friends don't text me at this time of day on a Sunday. But anyway. Um, no, I, I just thought, we called them the happy clappies. And uh, I thought they were weird and I didn't really, you know, I just looked on and thought, well, we're the, we're, the, we're the smart, us Anglicans, we're the smart Christians, we're the intelligent ones. And those happy clappies, they're just, who knows. But anyway, I met some of them and I realised that they were very godly and beautiful people, surprisingly. And they clap, you know. You can actually be an intelligent person and rejoice and clap the Lord. Both, I know, right? Who knew? So... I then realised that, so then I changed from going to thinking that they were weird and I was scared of them to realising that they were incredibly godly and spiritual and that I would never be that spiritual. I remember thinking, well, wow, these people are, like they used to talk about God spoke to me and there's, you know, God this and God that. And I'm like, I was intimidated by them. So I went from one extreme to the other. And I remember thinking when I heard about speaking in tongues, I was like, well, that would never happen to me. It's like, because I'm not spiritual enough, clearly. Like, that's for really whew, spiritual people, not me. But, you know, I won't tell you that story now. But, yes, I do speak in tongues and I do pray for the sick and I do prophesy and I do all sorts of crazy weird things because, let's face it, we follow a God who parted the Red Sea. So he does all sorts of amazing things. And at the same time, you can be fairly intellectual if that's the way you want to be. Okay. Faith does not mean that we are fools. It doesn't mean that we get rid of our intelligence. It just means that we believe God. And sometimes what the world says and what our natural intelligence says is superseded by the incredible omnipotence of God. Okay? My brain's only about this big. I don't know. You know. <laughs> I don't understand the entire universe. So I'm good with that. God does. Do you believe that God created you for a purpose and that you are special and wonderful? Do you believe that he wants you to serve him and do something amazing this side of heaven? Do you believe that? 
And can I just say, sometimes that might look very mundane. You, we know, because when I was young, we talked about these amazing things we were going to do for God. And I thought it meant, I don't know, travelling around the world and raising the dead. But actually, it just means coming to church every Sunday and, and cleaning and sweeping and loving your children and playing the guitar and being a beautiful, beautiful person. That is amazing. That is amazing to live a great life. And I just honour so many of you who are doing that. You are amazing. It might look mundane sometimes. Sometimes it looks amazing, but it's all God. Do you know that God is in control of the earth or are you worried about climate change? Proverbs 8.29, he has given the sea its boundary so the waters will not overstep his command. He's in charge, it's okay. Do you worry about politics, world leaders, wars, conspiracies? Do you not know that he changes the times and season? He removes kings and he sets them up. Yes, evil, even evil kings. He has his purposes, strange as they may be. So we don't worry about what's going on in the world. We pray about it because we have power. I believe that. Do you believe your prayers can make a difference? We have so many wonderful examples of answers to prayer, but I was reminded just in terms of politics, we, I was invited to go to Gosford Council. They sometimes, I don't know if they still do it, they used to ask a minister to come and pray over the proceedings. It's pretty good, isn't it? So I went and prayed and then watched them. And I was staggered at how incredibly difficult two of the councillors were. I, I mean, it was just, I just sat there and went, you guys are a nightmare. Like everyone was trying to plan things and organise things, fairly reasonable, little disagreements. But these two people, oh, no, no, no. They just, every, they were un, clearly illogical and unreasonable. They just were there to cause problems. And I went, huh. These are the kinds of people that didn't want us to get into our building for seven years. They just enjoyed vandalism, basically. Seriously, it was just some kind of political vandalism. And I just looked at them and I was shocked and disliked them. And so I, um, no, it was really clear that they were doing it, they would, that it was not good. So I prayed, instead of getting angry and telling everyone how annoyed I was, I prayed and I prayed that they would not get in in the next council elections. I got their names and I said, God, keep them out of council. So the elections came out. I didn't vote for them, obviously. But I prayed. And then I read in the, party, in the, in the paper this. The entire party, who shall remain nameless, but who I don't like much, um, the entire party, the entire party could not be voted in. Not just those two. None of their colleagues because they didn't get their voting forms in on time. None of them were voted for. None of them for that season. None of their colleagues. None of them. And I was just like, oh, I was really pleased. And I mean, that's just one little answer to prayer. And I haven't prayed about Gosford Council probably since then. But if God puts something on your hearts, we pray about it. We make a difference. And we, and we see amazing answers to prayer. That we've, I've had many like that. So we need to believe. There's so many other things. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Do you believe it all? Read a bit and believe it, please. Believe Genesis 1, chapter 1 to 11. Can you believe that? Can you? Can you believe it? Why not? God is God. He can do whatever He wants. He can create this world however He wants. If you cut off Genesis chapter 1, 1 to 11, I don't know what you do with the rest of the Bible, but let's believe God. 
Let's fight for that faith. And let me ask you that if you have an area of unbelief, just in those ones or anywhere else, you'll know because there's anxiety or there's conflict or there's discomfort. Belief is exciting and it's peaceful because you, you can relax in God's goodness. So I'm going to finish off with these three points. The Bible, Jesus said, blessed are those who believe. Remember to Thomas. You don't believe. You, you, you only believe because you've seen, but those who don't seen are blessed. I want us to be a blessed church. I want us to be believers, <laughs> believing in all of God's promises and all his goodness. So we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's good, isn't it? He started our faith. You know what? He's going to help us. He's going to perfect our faith. He helps our unbelief. He'll keep our hearts soft and help us to believe when we do sometimes struggle and fight. We go to the Word of God constantly, more, more than TikTok, more than Instagram, more than social media, more than wherever, whatever we read. We need to be in the Word more because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And finally, in Hebrews, it said this, Encourage one another daily while it is called today. Is today called today? Yes, we're still in today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So he was speaking there about how the Israelites didn't believe. And one of the things he said is encourage one another. So, you know, just coming together like this lifts our faith. So let's stay together in church. And more than that, let's encourage one another in faith because that that helps us not to get hard and not to get distant. Just, just that. I just finished with this little story. You know, Chris and I play tennis together. And um, look, I've got the shots, but he's got the moves. Okay? I played tennis from a very early age. So I, I mean, I played so much tennis, you wouldn't believe. So I went to tennis camps every holiday. I was just a tennis player. And so I, can, I, I look nice. And Chris started playing tennis when we got married and he was not good and it was, it was a problem. Simon will affirm this. Simon played against him. It was a problem because I was a woman, he was a man, he wanted you know, to beat me and he couldn't because I was clearly better than him and he was learning. Anyway, he was so determined to get better that he got better and better and better and better until he beat me to the point where I had to have a handicap if we played singles. I hated playing singles against him, by the way, because... I don't care, like whatever, just win the game. But he wanted to beat me, so it was, oh, it was psychologically exhausting, you know. But anyway, he, he did win in the end and he's a good player. But the big issue was I just can't run very well. I've never been fast and I'm only getting slower and he is a fast one and he's sporty. So he would just run me off the court and I'd be like, oh, babe, you know. Like, <laughs> so in the end, you know, he, he would always win because he's faster than me, just put the ball over there. It doesn't matter how good the shot is. I can't get to the ball. So that's fine. But when we play doubles, we're quite a good combination because he can run round madly. You're not looking at me, darling. I hope you're still happy with me. Were you happy? <laughs> His eyes are down like, you know, no, no, no. Taking notes. Okay. Hopefully we'll be fine later. Um, <laughs> no, no. But when we play doubles, it's great because, you know, I can just stand there and hit the ball if it comes to me. 
and then he can run all around and get the ball when it doesn't. But sometimes I have to get the ball, like just sometimes. And because, you know, he's, he's already run off the court and I've got to get it. And there's like, <laughs> like this. And, he, and what he does, he's got this saying and it, he goes, he goes, come on, baby. He goes, hop, 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 like that. And when I hear those noises, like hop, 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 I go, oh, oh, I've got to get the ball because, you know, he wants to win. And I've got, and I've, I don't know, something happens to my body. Like I just seem to be able to get that last little bit. Like, and he'll go, well done, babe. I'm like, oh, I did it. I don't know how I got there, but I did. And um, <laughs> so he, you know, it really helps. And so I just want to, that's what I want to say today. Like stop unbelieving and believe. And I want that. Come on, hop, hop, hop. Come on, you can do this. You can believe. I want to encourage you. I want you to encourage each other. It makes a big difference. If you could see that extra three steps of running I did, you would, you would have faith. Honestly, it's incredible. It's incredible how I can suddenly run. I, I need him, I, I've, I've banned him from watching me play hockey anymore because it's, it's not sweet. It's not, it's not nice. But I, th- I don't know, maybe you should. Stand, um, they put me in the backs now because I don't run anymore. Uh, yeah, but maybe he does. Like, hop, hop, hop. Get to that ball, because like, they run around. I even tell, I even go, I played on Saturday, and they even go up to the half, and I go, they said, we want, they want me to play higher. I said, but if they run past me, I can't get them, so you'll have to go back and get them. This is like I'm playing with a 14-year-old, so, and she goes, okay. Okay, great. So, <laughs> I'll play high, but if they run past, I'm done. You go back. <laughs> but maybe, you know, if I had someone, hop, hop, hop. So come on, church. Come on, hop, hop, hop. Believe God. Whatever it is that you don't believe, I want you to just put that aside. Go, I'm going to believe God. I'm a believer and I'm going to believe God. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Father, you see that we believe in you and we love you, but we pray together, help my unbelief, Lord, where I'm not believing and where I'm not acting in faith. Help us. Help us to step up into faith, Lord God, and be a believing people. Father, that we can see the amazing things that can be done when we believe and when we believe together. Father, help us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.